Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, while supplies last. Offer ends eight thirty one twenty. Hey guys, what's going on? I'm Ben Bateman, and I'm Andrew Guy, and we are the, the Action, Action guys. guys. Oh wow! Wow, we both did it. I didn't think you were going to sing again because you've been failing the last two weeks. So it I was, was going to go. Funny big. joke once and you tried to steal it, and I, I had to try to steal, steal your steal because I knew we were going to try to sing over me. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is a uh, show where we talk about movies <laughs> and Andrew being a dirty traitor. I'm not. Speaking of Ben being a dirty traitor, we got these awesome coins sent in the mail. We did. Nick Gilmore, uh, at the Nick Gilmore on Instagram. An absolute gangster. This man has been in support of us being uh, big personalities in the Schmodown. I got to meet Nick at the Schmodown Free For All. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, and honestly, could could not be more appreciative of all the support. Uh, we've, these things are incredible, and if you're in Houston, you're going to get to see these. We're going to have a special giveaway we're going to talk about here pretty soon. You have to go to patreon.com slash team action to hear about that. Yeah, it's it's awesome. They, we we're just like overwhelmed. We got them in the mail today, so we're, we're kind of geeking out. Um, <clears throat> but we're actually here to talk about something else that we a are. lot of people have been geeking out over, Shazam, right? Everyone yes. has loved Shazam. Everyone's going crazy about it. And when I looked it up, I was like, do I know this director? Have I seen him before? Yeah, and people had kind of talked about him a little bit. Um, and this is uh, the gentleman who directed both Lights Out, Shazam, and he has, I think, one other movie. His name is David F. Sandberg. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, he's basically known for basically those two movies. I mean, Annabelle, I think he did the, the, the second one, Annabelle Creation. I think it's the second yeah, one. Yeah, I believe so. Um, but yeah, Shazam is getting unbelievable reviews. Drew and I are both going to see it. You'll hear this after we've seen it, but we're going to be covering that on Action Movie Anatomy, and with the conversation of David Sandberg, we wanted to ask the question of who are going to be the defining directors of tomorrow's. This is not your Christopher Nolans, your David Finchers. Those guys are in their 50s. They've made five classics each. They've got a decade's worth of movies that were big at the time when they came out. You and I could sit here and talk about Danny Boyle, David Fincher, Paul Thomas Anderson, Christopher Nolan. We could talk 
them to death. And Scorsese and 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 Kubrick, or sorry, Scorsese and, and and like Spielberg, they're like the last remaining directors from their generation. I mean, they're in the same era as guys that don't even really make relevant movies anymore, like Coppola or like right. Lucas, like. Yeah. So, you know, they have had these 40-year careers. So we're really talking about the guys, the guys and and the women uh, who are making movies for tomorrow. They've had one movie, two movies, three movies, maybe even four, but they haven't broken through as that A-list name. They're probably in their 30s or 40s. But of this group of people, there is at least one film in their filmography or at least one thing that they've done where you're like, that's special. I need to pay attention to this person. They have the potential to be Great. They've got a vision, so to speak. Yes. And we tried to stay away from people who were too heavily decorated so far, but mm-hmm. you know, we will talk about some that kind of have some of those accolades. There's actually one name on this list that we didn't list, uh, and I'm going to maybe use it as one of my answers, so we'll kind of okay. get there a little later. But if you guys want to follow along with this conversation, because we are excited to break this all down for you today, you can follow along with me personally at Ben Bateman Media, and you can find uh, this show and all of the things about this show on Twitter, at Team Action Show. Yeah, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy. Our Instagram is at Action Industries. we got a great Facebook page with the exact same name. Go give it a like. And lastly, we've got the Accent Industries YouTube page where you can find this full episode. Let me say it one more time. This full episode on video on the Action Industries YouTube page. If you don't want to watch us, you don't want to look at us, you can also download the full episode on Collider's Podcast Network, whether that's on Spotify or whether you do that through Apple One or Podcast One. Yeah, it's on the Collider Movie Talk feed. They'll post a little clip of this every single week on the YouTube, which you should also subscribe to, but you can just listen to the full thing on Fridays. But we put up that full video version on the Action Industries YouTube. So without further Adieu. Adieu. <laughs> I think we should just kind of get into the show. So the question is, who are the directors of tomorrow? And to answer that question, Drew and I have put together an exhaustive list. I mean, this is a... Uh, I can't tell you the amount of man and woman hours and dog hours that yeah. we put in, gerbil hamster hours. of gender neutral hours, man. Let's <laughs> yeah, be honest. that's right. That's right. There has been so much brain power put into comprising this list of questions that will basically narrow down or categorize these directors for us. And I'm going to read off a couple of them. First off, who will win the next Oscar? Secondly, who has most likely to have already peaked? Next, who is the next Scorsese, Spielberg, the next, you know, Coppola? Who will have the next 40-plus year career? That's a and hard thing to do, guys. 40 years does not come easy. No. We see people that are, have great decade runs or even a couple movies and they just fall off the face of the earth. And then lastly, for me, the last question that I really am curious about is who do we want to see directing Cruise? TC Legend. Who do we want to see? You like that? I haven't used that one yet. I've talked to you about using the <laughs> phrase TC Legend. I've talked about it exhaustively. I've tried it out at parties to kind of see, does, does that play? Ben, Fetch is never going to happen. I just made it work <laughs> that was my fetch um there's a couple other questions on here we're gonna we are gonna answer there's some pretty fun ones on here but uh i think uh, do we have anything else that we before we get into the full topic of the show need to shout out we talked patreon we talked youtube um you know we have this match coming up i think yeah. probably it's worth talking about um we yeah. have this match coming up so so by the time you guys hear this show We'll be about a week out from uh, me actually performing in Chicago at Star Wars Celebration. So crazy. Schmodown, about 900 people. It's going to be Who's the Boss versus the Odd Couple streaming live. You know, check out that pay-per-view. It's going to be unbelievable. But about a month later, Drew and I go head-to-head in Houston at the Booker T. World Gym. It's going to be me versus Drew as the main event selling this show. Uh, we are going to do some team action-centric meetup type of stuff. Obviously. Yeah. Not during the show because that's not canon. Yeah, no, we're not friends till after the show. And we're only friends because we have to be on these networks because we've signed contracts for years. So in Houston on May 18th. 
think that sounds right. Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Twenty. Uh, there's so many dates popping around my head. May 18th, we're going to be there. Booker T, I, I can't wait to meet the gentleman. I've been a fan of him for so, so long. I've yeah. watched wrestling since I was a kid. So, And I've also never been to Texas, so I'm really excited. Yeah, I, I, when I go into these for work, I'm usually there for a day. Mm-hmm. I don't really get to spend much time. So I'm really excited for this one. Uh, we get to go in and really have a good time. So buy tickets for that if you guys want to come and hang out. Come meet us. Come see the show. It's going to be an absolutely epic show. Uh, Cody, who may be in the booth, but I doubt it. He will be there. Cody, how you doing? And he's not there. He's not there. Yeah, that's what they trust us enough to just leave us in this room. For, we can say whatever we want. Yeah. We won't. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's, get, let's answer some questions. The first question is, of the young and up-and-coming directors of tomorrow – and, and again, like I think we we left the definition of that a little loose. We did. We, um, we we talked about some of the people that we're not including, and we've got a list of about fifteen to, to twenty people here that we that we are con- including. There are in contention. I don't think we'll actually get to every single one of them. That's why we're not listing all of them. But we will start off with the very first question: And who do we believe of this list? And only one of them is one one. Who will win the next Oscar, whether it's for best picture or best director? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, and I'm going to jump in here and say I believe the director of Tomorrow who will win the next Oscar is going to be Denis Villeneuve. Me too. A hundred percent. It's right on the cusp for me of some of the other names involved. Yep. Um, and it almost makes me – I almost question the decision to, to use that because of the people on this list, I think Denis Villeneuve is probably the director who's the most decorated now. A hundred percent. I think – well – I think two and three are actually incredibly decorated because of their accolades. He's just got – so Denis Villeneuve, for those of you on audio, don't know what he's directed. So he he came in with a film called Incendies, and that was probably 2009. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a couple years later, he does a film with Gyllenhaal called Enemy. Um, And then he does Prisoners. He does Sicario. He does Arrival. He does Blade Runner 2049. And his next film that he's coming out with is Dune. And and if you haven't – if you haven't heard about Dune, you're not watching or listening to this show because you are under a rock somewhere. The cast list for that film is maybe the greatest cast list I've ever seen for a specific generation of a movie. It's unbelievable. So Denis is a guy who has directed these incredible movies, and he, he has such a, a visual flair. You've seen what he's capable of in like a movie like Sicario. The reason I say I think I give him the edge over these the other the other options just barely – and I do it because I've seen him tackle multiple different genres and styles so well. Right. But he directs his actors so well. Like Prisoners is the one to me of all the movies that we just talked about where I watch that movie and I go, okay, so if you give this guy a script that's a little bit more palatable, it's not about children getting kidnapped. Yeah. But it's like a true story, like a war story or something like that. The kind of movie that gets nominated for Best Picture and he gets the actors of the caliber that he usually gets, which is everybody. That movie will win Best Picture, and he will win Best Director. Like yeah. he, that'll happen. It'll it just, just will. There's just too much going on. It's too. It's just too big of a film. And he's willing, <clears throat> it seems, to have his name attached to the types of movies with the types of scales that get those conversations. You look at some of the other names on this list. There's a lot of writer directors. A lot of people that right. seem to want to do their own content. Those kind of directors are great, but they often end up getting stuck doing kind of middling. They pigeonhole themselves. B level indie content. Like maybe maybe the maybe the script is great and the actors are wonderful, but it's the kind of movie that when you're at the gym and you see up on the TV, they're like advertising movies that are coming out. You're like, oh, I've never even heard of that. Well, he literally what he did was he did he did his he did his thing for a minute, and then he's like, well, okay. I I understand what you people want, what the audience wants. I'm going to give you Sicario, and I'm going to give you Arrival. Now you can see I can do the the by-the-numbers action movie yeah. that's still incredibly suspenseful and innovative. Yep. Now I'm going to do a movie that you just don't even know what the hell you just saw in Arrival, and that gives me the opportunity to do whatever I want. I get Blade Runner 2049 and then now Dune. Those are, those are 
entities that are so large, directors would look at them and just be like, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. It's too much. They'll hate me no matter what I do. Yeah, he's a pretty unbelievable director, uh, and I almost it almost it almost doesn't feel fair to have him on this list with the others because it's so clear that the movies he's done and his style almost make him in the category of like a Nolan or Fincher. One, yeah, but I do still feel like unless you're a movie nerd, you don't know the name Denis Villeneuve. Right, because even the other three guys who are not you know the three amigos who are not on this list, yeah, they're they're kind of guys that have also already done it. Right, they've already they all won Oscars. Done it. Exactly, <laughs> you know, Inaritu, uh, Suarón, and and Guillermo are not in this anymore because they're too established. Have I asked you before on air why you call him Suarón? Have I done this before? Suarón? Yeah. Because aren't C's in Spanish S's? I don't know. I don't We've know. had this conversation on yeah. air. I'm always so confused. You say it with such confidence. It makes me question if it, in fact, is Suarón and it's I'm wrong. It's probably one of those things that, like, someone that I knew when he was becoming Did famous it? said it, and it just yeah. stuck in my head. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably wrong. I've always said Cuaron. You say it. You've said it around other people. No one's ever corrected you before. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe nobody knows. I'm sure he's listening. (laughs) Uh, Alfonso, what do you think? Uh, Okay, so that's who we both believe is going to win the next Oscar. Uh, Do you think it's going to be for director? Yes, I I think I think think that's what we should have had: best uh, director. Yeah, who's going to win next best director? Because we have other people in that have won other Oscars. I just I look at the rest of this list of the names we have, and I think about the other people in contention, and I just don't think most of these people will lend their name. To the type of script that's going to even be nominated, he's the one that seems to be willing to be the most, most big budget of the people here. There's yeah. one other person on this list that I could maybe see in the same category. What number? Seven. I could see seven doing, uh, doing the kind yeah. of movie they could win. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, okay. I like that. So uh, what, what do you got next? Um, okay. Next question. Who of these directors is the most likely to have already peaked in their career? And when oh. we say that, it doesn't necessarily mean – already peaked in the sense that, like, they won't make good movies or even that a movie they do won't get a Best Picture nomination because, like, we're talking about people with a lot of talent. Yeah, But 100%. who will never reach the heights that they've already reached is mm. the is the question we are asking here. Man, that is a tough one. I – God. Oh, man. I don't know. Do you have one? Do you have someone who you think is, is, is already there in your mind or no? Um – Nah, let's see. Of the people on this list, I think the person that's probably already peaked. For me, I'm going to go Steve McQueen. Okay. I know it's I know it's a little probably controversial because he did such an incredible job with 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, and it Shame. Is, Shame's really good. Shame is good as well. But I did not like Widows. It sucked. It was not a fun movie for me. And, like, the people that did like Widows, I felt like they couldn't really tell me why. And then the things that they liked about it were the things I hated about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so... I like Steve McQueen a lot. I haven't seen Shame. I've, I've loved 12 Years a Slave, and I did not like Widows. The thing for me is it feels like he might not have as strong of a grasp on his eye or on his vision as all these other directors on the list have. Yeah. And I also think with the success of 12 Years a Slave with Lupita and with how great Fassbender was in that, just everyone, Yeah. I think that might be his moment. Now, I hope it's not because I really like Steve McQueen, and I think he has great potential. But for me – that's who I'm going with. I yeah. think he's peaked. Honestly, I, I hope not, but I think so. Interesting. Um, I Why think do you, do you not do you, do you disagree? I, I disagree with you on Stephen Queen just a little bit. Okay. Um, I think the reason I disagree with you on Stephen Queen a little bit is that he's he's very willing to make movies about very dark topics. Yeah. So Shame is about a sex addict played by Fassbender. Yep. Um, it's got so actually multiple movies on this list that we're already talking about have scores that I listen to a lot. Have I told you before that? I didn't realize this. Sorry, just jumping back to Denis Villeneuve for a second. Uh-huh. There's a song called On the Nature of Daylight. It's composed by Max Richter. 
If you guys are listening to this and you haven't heard this before, um, go cue it up. It's it is in my top three or five favorite pieces of music ever composed for a film. It is so beautiful. And it plays in that scene in Shutter Island that I love so much uh, where he's in a dream sequence and he's seeing Michelle Williams and she's fading away and like burning into ash. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's such an incredible scene. It's so good. And that song plays. But I didn't realize it the other day. It's also used in the opening and closing scene in Arrival. Um, It's the same song. It's the same composition on The Nature of Daylight. And both moments in both movies are so powerful because uh, that ending sequence to, date, to, to the en- the ending of Arrival is so good. Oh, it's so good. And it's that same piece of music. And so First time uh, I saw the end of that movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, anyway, I just wanted to point that out. It's something something to listen to. But as far as Steve McQueen Hold goes. Let me, let me interrupt you really quick because I'm going to talk about Steve McQueen. In the last 11 years, yeah. this is what he's done. In Hunger, or I mean, he did in 2008, he did Hunger. 2011, he did Shame. Yep. 2013, he did 12 Years a Slave. And in 2018, he did Widows. Yep. That's it. Everything else has been like shorts or music videos or things that I don't personally know or care about. He is very willing to make dark content. That's I the mean, thing Hunger about Steve was, yeah, McQueen. Hunger was gnarly. Yeah, I've never seen that. Yeah. Um, and the reason I think that he hasn't peaked is because a movie about slavery, an incredibly intense movie about slavery that won Best Picture, that's a hard-to-watch movie. It's also a very topical movie that has a has a gut-punch nature to it just by the nature of this is real. This is, right. like, this is really what happened. Like, you, slavery existed. Right. White that's what people I mean. were this horrible to black people. It mm-hmm. was a real thing. It was that disgusting. So uh, you watch it because you feel like you sort of – it's a great movie, but also when you're watching, you're like, this is important. It's a part of my history. This. Yeah. I need to understand this if I want to be a good person mm-hmm. to understand the mistakes made by humanity. Um, and Shame is such a dark and fucked up movie – but the thing that's interesting about him is like Widows wasn't good. The expectation was high. Great cast. And the idea behind it was interesting, right? Yeah. It I wasn't just a bunch of dudes going and robbing banks. It was their wives yeah, doing but, it. But then you think about like, okay, he's willing to make a heist movie and he's willing to make a movie about like a slavery really dark movie. And, slavery. And about hunger, about shame, all these things. Widows could have been great. Like he, he we might, wanted it to be. He might make a political thriller that wins Best Picture. Like he could because he's willing to push the boundaries. I just don't think he wins another Best Picture. Yeah. I just don't think so. Like if you were to compare like Ron Howard and Steve McQueen, like I'm never going to get the kind of edgy feeling that I want from a from Steve Ron, McQueen movie from right. Ron Howard. That's right. why I think there's a chance he's a black director. There's a chance that that guy is going to make another movie that's going to blow our minds. Yeah, there's a, there's a shot, but I, I I hear you. Like I think Widows sucked. Did you hear the shit about how Josh McCuga says that we're the ones that make these mic stinks on Collider Live? Really? Yeah, you're a liar, Josh. I know it's you. I know it's that dirty beard that you. These Why mics do he, not smell well. They smell. They smell I mean, mine smells. Okay. Mine smells fine. Yeah, he said it was us, huh? Yeah, he said it was specifically us. We're in here once a week for one hour. <laughs> that bastard. <laughs> uh, so my my answer to the same question: uh, Who is the most likely director on this list to have already peaked? I think I know who you're going to say. You do? I feel like you're going to say three. No. No? I say four. I no! say I say Ryan Johnson. No! Uh, and here's my, here's my reason. Um, I love The Last Jedi. You and I are of the – and I don't want to make this conversation about The Last Jedi because those conversations don't go Do well. not comment about The Last Jedi on this video. Um, but in general – I think Brick is really good. It's interesting. I think The Brothers Bloom is a weird movie. I've only seen like a part of it on cable, but I've never really been compelled to finish it. Um, I love Looper. I think Looper uh, is Looper. a wonderful movie. What do you do with nine million dollars? It's incredible. Yeah, and I think it was, it was nine. Did he make Looper for nine million? Something crazy like that. I was like forty or thirty. Nineteen. I'll look it up. If he made Looper for nine million dollars, <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on this point. <laughs> um, but 
you know, he makes The Last Jedi. He's been given this trilogy of Star Wars stories to make now, and we'll see if that ever actually happens. 30. 30? <laughs> yeah, still, still good. Yeah, amazing. We'll see if that ever actually happens, but I just think the expectation of Ryan Johnson is all wrong now. I don't think Ryan Johnson's ever going to escape the fact that he made The Last Jedi. Good or bad, I just don't think that fans are ever going to let him escape the fact that he made it. And now if he's making more Star Wars movies, when's Ryan Johnson ever going to get a small budget to do a cool movie like Looper that people actually take seriously again? Not to mention, he really likes genre movies. Yeah. So like he would have to he would have to like change his entire perception, change genres, do something incredible. Like it just doesn't feel like he's got the tools in his toolkit to come around and do it. Like, I, I feel I, bad for the guy because yeah. I think he's really talented, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, it's tough when you look at his run on on IMDb from 2012 to 2017 because it says Looper, 2012. Then it's probably three of the best episodes ever of Breaking Bad. Maybe. Did he do Ozymandias? He did either. I believe he did, yeah. I he, think that's the one that he did. Um, we we, we got we to look at it later. But yeah. I, I, I think that's one of the things we talked about on, on when we did the Looper episode on AMA. And then in 2017, he does episode eight, The Last Jedi. Here's the thing. Looper, yep. those three episodes of Breaking Bad and The Last Jedi are probably my favorite parts of sci-fi action movies that came out in the last decade. My favorite episodes of Breaking Bad and my favorite rendition of the new Star Wars. Yeah, it's fair. So I, I, I hear you, and I don't disagree, and I hope you're wrong because you know how much I love the dude. Yeah. But I could totally see it happening. Absolutely. Yeah. You uh, just, are, and some of that is like less about talent. It's more about perception. 100%. And also just what entities you decide to enter into, which is Star Wars is dangerous always. Yeah. It's like playing Superman or Jesus. So the next one that I really like here, and I think it is super, super pertinent to what we do for a living, who would you most like to do a one-hour sit-down interview with? And I already know who mine is. I think I know yours is, too. Who do you think mine is? Say the number. Uh, Number nine. Yep, 100%. Yeah. You know me so well. Yeah, I think probably the person that I'd want to sit down and do a one-hour interview with on this list is going to be number... God, it's a tough one. It's one or nine. It is, oh, it is. Okay. So my so I'll just go with mine first while you decide to figure this out. Yeah. It's, Ty, it's Tyler Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan, I mean, excuse me. Which is it? It's Taylor. It's mistake. It's Taylor. It is. Yeah. I'm, I'm like 99% sure. I thought it was Taylor. Then I said Tyler. Then I was wrong and it's Taylor. Wait. Which is it? I think it's Taylor Sheridan. It I'm is. pretty sure it's Taylor Sheridan. I'm like 99. Yeah, it is. It's Taylor Sheridan. So Taylor Sheridan here, for you guys that don't know who he is and what he's done. So he's only directed one film that we would most people know about. He's directed two total, correct? Because he had that very first he one. Has that weird like horror movie. I can't think of the name of it. It's called like. So he's he's on credit for directing four movies. He's got Vile, which is the horror Vile. movie. That's the one. Yeah. That came out in 2011. Yep. And then Wind River in 2017. That's it. <laughs> He's directed nine episodes of the TV show Yellowstone, which is I've heard is very good. Me too, yeah. Uh, and then lastly, he's working on a show now called Those Who Wish Me Dead. But he also wrote the scripts for Sicario, Sicario 2, and Hell or High Water. So he, this guy's young. I think, I think Taylor Sheridan's young. like 39 or something. And he's, in, he's another one of these people called, that are actor-turned-directors and writers. Yeah. He's, he's a very talented— He's uh, like a handsome guy who yeah. like worked on TV a bit, and he had some scripts in production, and you know he was rep by the right people. And he just kind of— he had a real attachment to these, like these, these um, middle of the country kind of uh, who done it, sort of almost like film noirish westerny kind he's, of stuff. Yeah, he's kind of known as the modern day western guy, and and I think what I love about him is his use of subtlety with his actors, with his writing. You know, Wind River has so many incredible moments in it, like 
absolutely incredible, like right where he stands with a whimper, you know, out there crying, you know, Elizabeth down the hallway. Like there's so many incredible moments. I would just love to speak with him about, first of all, his age, about moving from actor to behind the camera, about how he feels – you know, how do you feel more in control as a writer or as a director? Like, yeah. do you feel that you lose some of the sight of what you want? As because, like, since this is not a question I would ever ask, but I would like to, you know, essentially, if I could ask anything, I'd be like, where do you think you failed? Where Denise succeeded in directing Sicarios? Because yeah. yours, your, yours was not as good as his. It wasn't, and he is known as being like a great, great director. Wait, wait, you're, wait he. No, I'm he, thinking of yeah. You're, you're mixing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. He did Wind River, which I think right. is better. It's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the fact that what was I think? Oh, it's the second writer that picked up that. So I guess yeah, yeah. I guess that would be it. So from going from <laughs> I want to ask the question, but, that but I wouldn't want to ask the question. It was no. wrong. What I what I meant to say was the taking Sicario was like a hardcore action movie that was so successful using his writing with a, such a sex, successful director in Denis. Yeah. He switches lanes and goes the complete opposite direction in action and drama with Wind River. Yeah, and like. What do you think feels like? Where do you feel like you have a better grasp on? Like, could you actually do the the Denis thing? Can yeah. you do Blade Runner twenty forty nine? Can you do Dune? Or do you only succeed on these small scale films? Do you know what I mean? One hundred percent. I think. Um, what an interesting list to ask those questions. I think it's totally possible, actually, that the answer. I'm, I, I changed my answer here. I'm pretty sure. Really? Um, yeah. I'm I was going... kind of surprised you didn't say seven for some reason. Uh, I'm actually going to go two. It's, it, was, yeah, it was one, two, one. three, and nine. Uh, so my answer is Jordan Peele. Yep. Um, now, there's an argument for, for Taylor Sheridan because I love Wind River almost as much as you, I think. And I love that movie. I mean, I adore that movie. I saw it twice in theaters. I've seen it again since. It's, I've seen it like six times. <laughs> I just – I love everything about it. I love his style of writing. It's so the kind of movie that I like watching. Um, and I'm fascinated by it. You know, thinking about it though, obviously – you know, I do a bit more press stuff than you do, so I've, 100%. I've, I've done a lot of carpets and a lot of junkets and things like that. And so I, I'll watch other uh, other clips sometimes of these guys to sort of see how they function, because sometimes they're on a on a, a list like a what's called a, a tip sheet when you show up to one of these events where they'll give you kind of a list that's got the faces of all the people that are probably going to be at the carpet. Like and they've worked on, yeah. yeah. And so with Taylor Sheridan, the stuff I've watched, the interviews I've watched with him, he takes himself very seriously. So does uh, Denis. And which is awesome, and I would love to talk to them, except that I do think in some ways my style, what I love doing, which is kind of geeking out about the stuff yeah. I really love, if you run up against somebody who takes themselves too seriously, it can create for kind of an awkward environment. You don't have that, those fun moments. It's like they're less interested in, in talking, about the, talking about their movies the way you want to talk about them. They yeah, really want to talk about them as art. Yeah. Uh, like this piece of art. Like, did you understand my art? And no matter how much you tell them you like their work, the conversation still might not go the way you want it to. Whereas with Jordan Peele, He's I feel like you could have the coolest, fun, like most fun interview. I mean, Jordan Peele plays Magic the Gathering. The guy is, the, yeah. the guy is hilarious. He's been hilarious for years. All the references that he makes in his first two films, like they're such like I get them. Like he would be so fun to talk to about. Like, dude, why? Why do you love this? Like, why did you do this? Like, this is, I can tell the inspiration. Be like, oh, that's so cool. And he has, if it's not, uh, he, I'm just going to give the credit to him because I don't know. He might be one of the smartest minds in Hollywood and how to direct a career. Yeah. And where to take it. And also just sitting back and waiting for your moment. And then when you're given that moment, to swing for the fences. You know what I mean? Like, totally. No one looks at Jordan Peele now as the guy from Saturday Night Live, right? Or was he on Mad TV? Uh, Which guy? Jordan Peele. 
Oh, he was on. He was on Mad TV. He was on Mad TV. Exactly. Like what? You were on Mad TV? Yeah. And then, oh, you're Keen Peel. I remember that. No, oh, these no. digital shorts that were really funny. No, you're the guy that did us. You're the guy that did Get Out. You're the guy that is now revamping and bringing back, revitalizing the Twilight Zone. Which I heard is really good. I'm sure it is. He's a genius. So yeah. he's actually uh, the person that I have for my, for our third question there uh, on the list. But um. I love it. I love Jordan Peele. I just it seems like it would be so much fun. There's some other options too. I think that are interesting, but he's he's my answer there. Yeah, I would I would love to talk to to Coogler or Chazelle as well. But yeah, yeah, I, I hear you on that. So what what which question you want to go to next? Uh, I think let's go let's go with number three. Yeah. So which of these directors, which young up and coming director, is most likely to have a forty plus year career? And that's like in the vein of Spielberg, Scorsese, Eastwood, like. It's forty years is a lot. So like when we yeah. say that, guys, like think think about this for a second. You you look at somebody like like a really talented director of their time. Like let's just say it's Barry Levinson. Right. Uh, okay, you know. Barry Levinson like made his first Soderberg. movie in eighty two. Yeah, Soderbergh. Like Soderbergh made his first movie in the late eighties. Okay, like Soderbergh's not really making movies right now that people give much of a shit about. No. Like his career is is floundering, and so for him to come back and have a really really good next ten years. Could happen, but like most of the time, a great director they'll have like ten to fifteen peak years, maybe even twenty, right? And then at the end of their career, will like space out. It'll be like you know less successful. They'll move yeah. to TV, whatever. When you're talking about like every single movie you make is up in contention to be nominated for best picture. Oh, there's a new Eastwood movie. Oh, there's a new Spielberg movie. There's right. a new Scorsese movie. Is it? Probably the odds are it'll get nominated for Best Picture. Like that's the kind of career right. we're talking about. Yeah, so like, who like, on this list? Like the Tarantino, right? You you hear the story of a new Tarantino movie with Brad Pitt and Leo. You're like, oh my god. Yeah, it you would know? have to like that's going to have to be bad to not get a lot of accolades. Exactly, it's going to have to really suck. There's only four people on this list that I can see. As crazy as that is, so who's your pick? So I think my actual pick is yeah is going to be Jordan Peele. Yeah, it's a strong pick. It, and I think the reason why is all the things that I just said at the end of your pitch. Yeah. I think he does such a good job at the way he carries himself in Hollywood. I think he's in very intelligent with his career. I love the entities he puts himself in. He's hilarious. He's scary. He knows how to do action. He's doing TV. He's he's doing it all. Yep. Um, will we get burnt out on him doing the same horror movies over and over and over? Or will he be the next Hitchcock? We don't know. Yeah. I hope he's the next Hitchcock. He might be. I mean, I, th- I think Jordan Peele has a really strong shot at it. My answer is actually going to be Ryan Coogler, another That's, black director. Yeah, so the yeah. other ones that I said were Denis, uh, Jordan Peele, Coogler, yeah. and, and, and uh, maybe Chazelle. But those are the same ones, and I think Coogler was actually my number two. Yeah, I go Coogler because what we've seen out of Coogler in three movies, um, it's really impressive, is that he's willing to do – He's willing. so he, his first movie, you know, Fruitvale – like that's a great movie. Uh, it's a really small, really personal movie, mm-hmm. and it's dealing with something incredibly difficult. To yes, make. it's a hard movie to watch. Yes, really well done. Right. Second, he was gr- he was good enough to work with, great enough to work with. In fact, that he was able to pull over his lead actor and put him in a massive revamp. Now, not only that, but like this guy who had only made this one movie was willing to convince Stallone he had what it took to reinvent the Rocky franchise, the, maybe the most famous franchise in. Definitely sports movie history, like sports action possibly, like massive. So he he was able to sell himself on a small enough career well enough to do that. And not only that, but he made a great, great movie. Oh, he – I mean Stallone gets his first – is it first? Uh, First or second acting nom. I think he might have gotten nominated for best actor for Rocky. In Rocky. Pretty sure he did. The first time basically Stallone had been recognized as a good actor in about 30 years. I'd say since Copland. Yeah. 20, 20, oh, yeah, yeah. 20 years just about. Yep. 
Um, it's the one that shoot the gun next to his ear. Yeah, yeah. I like that movie. It's a great scene. Um, <laughs> and who directed that movie? We've talked about this. Yeah, so director we like a lot. James Fuqua. Ma- James, no. James Mangle. <laughs> um, oh yeah. And uh, and I think because of those two things, and then the idea that like, so Hollywood comes knocking and they say, hey, hey, Coogler, we're gonna we're gonna give you a Marvel movie. Not only that, we're gonna give you Black Panther. This is you know, and he's thinking to himself, okay. I'm this young black director. I'm having a lot of success right now. I'm making a statement. You know, his first movie being a true story about a wronged black man, yep. right? Like, and it's a very successful movie. And it is so sad. And it's so sad. So he goes, okay, I'm going to take your Marvel movie and I'm going to put every ounce of my personality, every bit of culture. I'm not going to skim off the top. Nope. I'm not going to try to make this feel Disney. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to create – a revolution. I'm gonna cr- I'm gonna cast the most badass group of African American actors ever. I'm gonna put Period. like yeah. African culture into the design of the costumes. I'm gonna put African culture into the red carpets that this movie is invited to. I'm gonna make Wakanda like I yesterday or the day before was in uh, Arkansas and I was uh, checking in my hotel and my buddy is going to Africa this summer and and uh, he was talking to me about it in front of the, the guy at the desk and he's like yeah going to Africa. I was like oh you're going to Africa? Huh? He's like what part? He's like Wakanda. And like yeah. it's become a part like of the culture. The fact that you can like, joke and everyone in the room's like, "Oh, I I understand that reference." Yeah, yeah. It, so I just think it's such smart decision making, and he's and he's not like get out and 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 uh, us. Those are original pieces. Like, right. That's amazing, and that's its own thing because like you can do original movies for a long time. You know, you're Woody Allen, but like <laughs> stay away from that one. But yeah, yeah. But you need to. You also need to be able to play ball for the for the studios. And if you want to have that big career, you know, Spielberg doesn't write every one of his own scripts, right? right. Scorsese is not writing every script. That, like those guys are are willing to come in here and do a movie because, like, okay, I like the script. I like these actors. Let's shoot it. Uh, let's start it in, you know, a hundred days on this date. We'll shoot it. In, you know, we'll shoot it in three months and done. Right. Do you believe that Denis will be one of these guys as well? It's is right the, on the edge for me, and, and his his talent level is proven. One hundred percent. The thing with Denis that I wonder, he seems get burnt out? very interested in doing mm-hmm. genre movies. Mm-hmm. He seems like super inter- interested in sci fi. Um, and the weird thing is, you have to like like if Christopher Nolan doesn't do the Batman trilogy with a lot of success, he's not Christopher Nolan, right? You know, you get Inception because you do the Dark Knight. Right. Nobody sees the Prestige. Right, like even though Batman Begins is successful, nobody watches the Prestige. Right. You have to do with the trilogy; they have to be revolutionary movies. To where be... everyone's like, "Oh, wait, Nolan did this movie at the same time this happened." The Illusionist and Prestige aren't the same thing, which is like kind of the similar thing. With like Fincher has had to make classics yeah. that aren't genre movies over and over again to be taken seriously. So Denis, while his filmography is incredibly impressive so far, it's like if he keeps wanting to make like Blade Runner and Dune and Arrival, like. He's got to play ball somewhere. He's going to have to find a way for people to pay attention. I think he's. I think he's able. That's what I said in my first point, which is right. I think he'll win the next Oscar. But like, he's going to have to show us that to really have forty years, and that would be my question. Hey, mom. mom for everyone that's on audio and on video, because you can't see her, uh, my mother is in the studio. Mom, have you seen uh, Prisoners? The movie Prisoners. Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal. No. Have you seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine? Came out last year. An action movie, sci fi movie. No. Have you seen um, what else? Have you seen Sicario? The the border yeah so okay so like but you don't know who Denis Villeneuve is right yeah all right I just wanted to ask she's like a, she's always a great gauge for what I believe is like the definition of an A list celebrity I definitely do not think that that's what I was saying earlier Denis is not a person whose name is synonymous with anything other than film nerds right it's, you don't you don't know that name unless you're actually paying attention yep like, 
All right, so I think the next one, we can do a little fun one here. Who do we want to see directing Tom Cruise, TC Legend? TC Legend, I love it. <laughs> you're like, I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. This is a, I want to see every director here directing Cruise is the answer. I, I want to see them all. I really do, too. Um, as crazy as it is. I know who you're going to say. Do you? Yeah, you're going to go back to nine because you think it's the coolest thing you've ever heard. No, no, I'm actually not going to go to nine. I actually want it to be uh, – actually, what do you got? I want you to go first. I've been hopping in first a lot. I think the director on here that I would be the most interested in seeing Cruz work with oh, – man, I don't want to just keep going back to the same people. I know. That's why I'm going Mark Webb. Oh, okay. I, he did The Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. And he did 500 Days of Summer. Great movie. Now, I know you're like – but. I love The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> I know. I know. And, and you really like 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, it's a great movie. I love Tom Cruise's aggressive sincerity. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things about him. Yeah. Now, that being said, he is just too Tom cruise a lot of the time. Yeah, Not Not that it bothers me because I love him, but I would love to see someone who is not a huge name in Hollywood take him and bring – because what I love about The Amazing Spider-Man is he took something that we're all so used to seeing and yeah. made it fresh and, and fun again. Yeah, I'd like to see Tom Cruise do something fresh and fun because he's just kind of just been doing Mission Impossible for yeah. too long. Yep. And and I love the heart in 500 Days of Summer. I love the the heartbreak in it. I love the earnest of it. I would love to see Tom Cruise take a step away from action. Yeah. Maybe have a maybe have like a, a fist fight, like yep. a drunken fist fight in an emotional, dramatically driven movie by someone who isn't just like, oh, you have to be X, Y, or Z to direct Tom Cruise. Yeah. You need to be Christopher McCoy. You need to be blah, blah, blah. I want someone who I was like, wait, what did Mark Webb do again? You're like 500 days. Oh, yeah, Mark Webb. I like Mark Webb. Yeah. I want to see him direct Tom Cruise. I know it's weird, but I – I like that. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all the way down to 14. I'm gonna say Scott Cooper. That was the next one I actually had. Yeah, and so Scott Cooper, for those of you that don't know, he's done four films. Uh, most recently, he did Hostiles with Rosamund Pike and Wes Studi and Christian Bale. Yeah, um, that was in 2017. I did believe. you watch that again? Uh, I watched half on an airplane. I didn't love it. I saw the first. Didn't I see it with you in theaters? No, you saw it in theaters. Yeah, you, I, you I watched didn't love it. it. I didn't yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. People, some people liked it. Some people didn't. Um, I, Roca says it's one of the best westerns that's come out in the last. Yeah, long time. It's like one of those things where this is this is the the gift and the curse of flying a hundred days a year. I watch a lot of movies on airplanes, but airplane flights don't exactly work perfectly with movie length. So yeah. if you watch half a movie and you get tired, or then you don't sometimes finish it, which sucks. Or like the beauty of a lot of host houses, like the amazing scenery, you don't yeah. really get that on the small screen. No, exactly. So I like uh, Hostiles was his most recent film. His film before that was Black Mass. That's the Whitey Bulger one with Johnny Depp. Right mm-hmm. before that, he did. Uh, out of the furnace, and then, yeah, and then he, he did, did Crazy, Crazy Heart. Heart. Was his yeah. first film, and that was in 2009. Um, I just watched Crazy Heart actually, like maybe a month ago. Uh, I like Crazy Heart a lot. Yeah, um, I think Scott Cooper is really talented. What I like about Scott Cooper is that he's he likes to make dark movies. He likes to make pretty violent movies. He likes to make movies that are pretty like they're kind of gritty and they're edgy, and he doesn't stray away from like really really dark imagery right um but his movies aren't like these big spectacle like like a director who makes say like a dark movie like a like a taylor sheridan you know wind river's pretty dark mm-hmm. i like wind river a lot but it's like a very like dark but like kind of with a bow on it at the end it all kind of works out like yeah and i and that, that, that's why i like mark webb for tom cruise because i want to see like a kind of a jerry Maguire feel again i know and, and it's it's sorely missed what, right. what i think i enjoy about the idea of scott cooper is like Cruz did Magnolia and Cruz did Collateral, are probably his like two darkest roles. 
uh, you know, he's a pretty cold-blooded assassin and yeah. he's like a really, really piece of shit uh, like dating coach. Womanizing misogynist. <laughs> yeah. And I know he's capable. So I kind of want to see a director whose movies are most of the time just like above average and gritty. And I just kind of right. want Cruz to like be one of three leads in a, in a Scott Cooper movie. Where I know. It's like, I don't want to see him be directed by Denis or Jordan or Damien or, or Kugler for I, some reason. I, I want to see – I would like love to see Cruz be like a shithead lawyer in a Scott yes, Cooper movie. dude. Exactly. And also I think that Cruz has this weird thing with like working with rel- – like not no names but smaller names. Yeah. Feeling like he's doing a service. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think he's he like such bringing a- someone from obscurity. Yeah. I yeah. think it would be awesome. So I think I think that would be a really cool one. I mean there's a lot of great choices. He's TC Legends. So what are you going to – Yeah. I mean what, what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, who would you like to direct your biopic, Ben? Oh, man. I like that one. My biopic, I feel like I would want to see directed by somebody on this list with a real sense of, like, kind of intensity but fun. Like, I think Damien Chazelle. I'd want to see Damien Chazelle direct direct my biopic. I love the idea of there being music involved, and he has such a sense of rhythm. That's, like, Chazelle's thing. You know, he's got, you know, between Whiplash and La La Land, he – I talked to him before about this. He he really – he does kind of uh, envision his movies and, and write and construct his movies with this sense of rhythm. He was a he was a musician, like that's why he chose those projects. And I, I'm a musician as well, and I, I would love the idea of my life being told by somebody who has that because I love even just the use of music, not even necessarily a musical, but like just the, the use of music in the right moments is really awesome. Right. Yeah, it's so funny because like we pull from who we relate to. I would want a woman to direct mine. Because okay. I was raised by four women. Yeah. You know, like I think that Greta Gerwig or Kelly Fremont Craig or the combination of the two of them. So yeah. Kelly Fremont Craig is known for Edge of 17. Greta Gerwig is for Lady Bird. If I could get a mix or the two of them to direct my film, yeah. I think it would really kind of – you know me. I'm a sensitive guy. I'm very close to the women in my life. Like yeah. I'm very emotional. Like these are all things that I feel like they would really be able to encapsulate and then also put in a lot of the fun and levity that I have in my life. Because, you know, obviously you got to stay happy somehow. But that's what I love about these two films is there's kind of like that melancholy happiness throughout also while telling a coming-of-age story. Yeah. Um, I think that Kelly Freeman Craig or Greta Gerwig or the combination of the two would do like such an excellent job of kind of putting my life on the screen. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. I think – I mean I think that makes a lot of sense. And considering both of their two movies uh, that, they've, that they've made that were prominent films, Lady yeah. Bird and Edge of Seventeen, they were kind of these coming-of-age stories. One was like the big Oscar one. The other was like the indie darling uh, and they have very similar feels. In the end, I actually like Edge of Seventeen more than I like Lady Bird. I do too, actually. Yeah, though though I can understand sort of why Lady Bird gets the attention that it does. They're both incredible movies. Isn't Edge of Seventeen the one that starts off with her saying she's going to kill herself to Woody Harrelson or whatever? Like yes. joking, and he's like, "Oh, well, me too." He's like, "I was going to do it too," but you came in here and started bothering me or whatever. It, he's so good in I there. I love that movie. I love it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? We do one more, two more. Where are we at? Yeah, I think um, I think we have two questions left on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and ask the next question of uh, who will be the next great actor turned director. Now, this was submitted to us by Billy Bedford, William Belford, um, <laughs> who is uh, who's a general in the Action Army. He's he's part of Action Industries, which is this incredible group of people that we have working with us. That I mean, there's there's a YouTube page, you know, go subscribe there. There's a Twitter, there's an Instagram posting news stories every day. Yeah. Uh, and, and William is running the Facebook page, uh, not the group, but the Facebook page for Action Industries. And so he suggested this on our exclusive general calls we're doing now, which is a thing we do on Action Movie Anatomy, which is another show on Popcorn Talk. 
for 10 minutes every single week just before showtime. Like right when we have these outlines, we're going over show notes together, yep. and we get on a Google chat with the generals. If you're paying 50 or more in the Patreon, uh, you are in this like sort of Google Hangout for 10 minutes going over the show notes with us and throwing stuff in. So for this one – Yeah, you can pitch segments. You can pitch ideas. And, and like this, yeah, he pitched he pitched this, this question. Yeah, Billy Belford, act us. Who will be the next great actor – turned director yours is so good i'm like angry that you have it yeah and i don't know how true this necessarily is but i think it would be really interesting to see jake gyllenhaal direct a movie um i like that jake has gotten darker and more introspective as he's gotten older yeah um he's i've listened to interviews with jake before um i've never actually interviewed him myself um, though I did attend a taping of Ellen that he was on, and he shot a blindfolded basketball and blindfolded three free throws. Oh, yeah. And if he made a free throw blindfolded, everybody won something. Yeah, you won something, right? I did, and my older brother was with me. I got the tickets with Roxy at the time a couple years ago for my brother and his now wife, um, and they we got them front row seats. So they were sitting. Right. And so when Jake makes the free throw on camera, he's so hyped, and he's jumping around. He takes off the blindfold, and he walks up to my brother, and he does the double high five with my brother. Damn it! And my I'm brother so was jealous. like, you did it. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, God, I was so jealous. <laughs> it's like my brother's favorite moment ever of coming to L.A. But um, I think that just Jake's ability to go internally and like he's so interested in being like, like a kind, like interesting, thoughtful guy. I yeah. don't think he'd make a big action movie. I think he'd be like a really personal kind of dark relationship movie. But I think he'd be great at it. And he's a really smart actor. It seems it just seems like he really understands what he's doing. Yeah. Um and 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 again, like you look at what he's done with his career and kind of like taking Nightcrawler because Nightcrawler really was his kind of resurgence, didn't don't you think? Yeah, well I mean I think so Prisoner's a couple years before it, I think. Right. right? But and even then it's like I didn't I was like, Oh, Jake Gyllenhaal's in a movie, I hope he's fine. Yeah. But like when Nightcrawler Yeah, I mean I mean definitely Gyllenhaal in the last I would say Gyllenhaal in the last five, six, seven years since the time you're talking about, right, that combo. Like, yeah. like Prisoners and, and the other one you just mentioned. Um, that's like where he's become kind of Jake Gyllenhaal. Like I think there was a period of time between Brokeback Mountain in 05 and that time where he was considered to be really good. Right. But not like a top shelf – not like a top shelf actor yet. Like in Zodiac in 07, he's annoying. He's good. But he doesn't yeah. have like he doesn't have it yet. He doesn't have like the quality yet where you're like, oh, oh, I get it. You're like top of the line here, bud. Like Prince Persia, like he's doing shit like that. That's just like what? Yeah, and you're like, what are you doing with your life, man? He hadn't quite escaped Bubble Boy yet, <laughs> you know. And now he's like Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> now he's like a, a greatly respected. Actor. He's also jacked. Yeah. Like oh yeah. There's a shot of him in Nocturnal Animals. Do you ever watch that movie? No. There's like a, it's Tom Ford, which is all about like beauty or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. but there's like a shot of Gyllenhaal. I can't remember if he's like in a bathtub or if it's just like. I think he's just like sitting in a bathroom, like cradled, like curled down, and he's, you can just see all the ribs, well, he's all the butt naked, right? But like you don't see any obviously anything, right? You just see him like profile wise, but he's like there is like two percent body fat. And, and I remember yeah. thinking to myself like. This is not even a movie about that. You're not boxing. You're just a regular guy here, and you like you, you know. What, I mean, but you know, he knows that that is more appealing than the other option, right? Right. And because that's what you got to do in Hollywood. You got to keep yourself appealing. And so mine is 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 an interesting one because he's actually directed before. Yeah. And he's old, but I would love to see Gary Oldman like actually direct. Oh, interesting. I don't know why. 
I just like he's been in the business for so long. He's played such different roles. He's worked with so many people for so many years. Yeah, I feel like if he because the last I, I was looking it up because I was like Has he, he did Nil by Mouth in 1997, a, huh. a thing that he wrote and directed. Okay, he did Jack White unstaged in 2012, and he did this film called Flying Horse that he directed and starred in and wrote himself. That it doesn't even have a a, a picture. Interesting. It doesn't even have cover art. So like. I don't know why, but you know we both love Gary Oldman so much. Yeah. I think that he could – I would just love to see him direct actors. And I think if he had a really good director of photography and someone that could kind of hone in his craziness because I'm sure he's all over the place a yeah. little bit. But if I could just get him film – maybe if he was just a director duo with someone. But if I could get a film where he is actually directing character actors, yeah. I think that would be so amazing. Yeah, I've listened to uh, again. Like I listened to a Hardwick interview he did like a year or two ago. It's like an hour long, and he's talking about a lot of different stuff. And his process as an actor is really interesting. He like he's definitely a very, you know, he's very soft spoken. Yeah. Like that's kind of how he is. And he's, uh, but he's obviously able to get so intense. And I wonder if he would be able to properly articulate what he wanted for uh, for actors. I wonder. I, I think it could go either very, very, very bad, yeah, or very, very, very good. Yeah, because you. I mean, like, did you see uh, Wildlife? Neither no. did I. It's Carrie Mulligan and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. It's directed by Paul Dano. It was his directorial oh, debut this last was it year. Bad? No, it's supposed to be good. Oh, really? I, I haven't watched it yet. It's, it's, it's on airplanes right now. I was thinking about watching it yesterday, but um, dude, it, that's a uh, Paul Dano. I could see that. I yeah. love him. Yeah, me too. I think yeah. he's really good. It's, it's it's really interesting. I mean, and you see, obviously, Bradley Cooper right now is the guy who's you know showing us all what he's capable of. Yeah, Ben Affleck was kind of the the guy before that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens. You know, a lot of these guys, and the reason they they do it a lot of the time. Is what happens is that these actors have enough clout that they can go into these meetings with a script and try to get the script made. Yeah. And they want to attach their names to something, but like not every script they're attaching their name to they want to star in or they're the right age to star in. And so they start to think, okay, maybe I'll produce this. And sometimes they go, well, I have such a, I have such a connection to this script. Right. I want to make this. I want to produce That's this. That's why Gone Baby Gone was so weird. Yeah. You're like, what are you you're, – oh, you're directing. Yeah. Affleck isn't – that's your brother that's starring. Why? What? Yeah. You know, like it was just weird. So that's always really interesting. And then uh, we have one last question on here to be asked, and that question is <laughs> – this is a very personal one to the action brand. It is. Who could best use the t- – <laughs> The 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 the, the uh, what's the what's the, the word? Quattro? The quattro? The the quartet? The, 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 the quartet. <laughs> what director could best use the AMA friendly action guy's favorites quartet of Tom Hardy, Hugh Jackman, Ryan Gosling, and Michael Fassbender? I think Drew would faint. I would die. <laughs> if they were all in the same movie, <sighs> I would lose it. Now, of course, I'd love to be. I'd love to see Taylor Sheridan directing that movie. But you'd honestly, love to be in that movie. I would love the actual hundred percent. That, that's the answer. Oscar Isaac will be in it, and I'll kill him and take over <laughs> his identity. Uh, it's my boy Ryan Johnson. I know that you think he's peaked already, but I love him. I love the darkness. I love the action. I think he has great control over his actors. I love. All the performances in Looper, I think it's one of the best that Bruce Willis has done in a long time. And I think that if he could get a sweet action drama going yeah. with those four dudes, I am so in. Interesting. I, I, uh, I'm i going to go Ava DuVernay. Um, Wrinkle in time itself. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I say it based largely off of uh, – uh, uh, what's it called? Selma and then the documentary she made. I think it's called 13th. Yeah. And so she's – She's political. She is more than willing to make a movie that's pushing the boundaries. She – I like the idea of a black woman directing this quartet of 
really, really talented, like, white male actors. You know they would just shut up and listen to her. They're all so talented and so good, and they're all so capable of, like, not being movie stars. Right. That I think all four of them would just disappear into whatever role she wanted to put them in and crush it. Like, I could see what – if, what if Ava, Ava DuVernay directed, like, an amazing true story, like, political thriller with, like, the four of these guys as, like, you know, the dads in some case. One's a lawyer. You know, Ten years they do it on our administration right now. Yeah. I mean, the, you throw in, like, these guys and, and just – I just think she has, like, this vision. And in Wrinkle in Time, I almost – that movie sucks, but it's, like, almost not her fault. Yeah, it's Disney. It's a Disney movie. Yeah, you can't – you don't get a pushback against Disney. No, and that movie just – but she has a vision and, like – Selma was so powerful, and she did such a great job directing yeah, that. Selma like, is very good. I just think she would do an incredible job, and she's she's really got the gravitas. I think you would need a lot of weight as a director, as a young director, to come in here and work with those guys. Yeah, I think you would. I think like that many personalities. I don't look at this list and see a lot of names that I can think. I think Denis would do an amazing job, and I think you know maybe maybe like Chazelle because he's got enough accolades now, yeah. Ryan Johnson or something. But I I think really. Ava would be she's, – she's she'd be able to strong. use them in a unique and yes, new way. exactly. Which I think is better. And the perspective, I think, again, is like that, that's, where, that's what I want to see because yeah. we've, we've seen a bunch of white male directors use these guys. And they're great. Right. We know, what, we know what to get. I actually like that more than my answer. I think that's great. I really love that. I really think that would be a really good one. So, uh, yeah, guys, that's, that is going to wrap it up for us. These are the, the biggest directors of tomorrow. Now, the full list here of, of 15, I think we actually covered or at least discussed – Every single one of them at least once. Yeah. Except for Barry Jenkins. Is he the only person that we didn't bring up? I think he's the only one who directed Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk. Now, that's how do you not? He literally has an Academy Award-winning actress, an Academy Award-winning actor, and Best Picture. Yeah. (laughs) Very true. But Uh, for some reason. The other name I I mentioned at the beginning that we didn't put on this list. I was curious. Is Edgar Wright. Oh, The only reason I don't say Edgar Wright is that I think. Shot of the Dead, we're going back 15 years now, and we're not really talking about a director who I think is like a defining director of tomorrow necessarily. Not, like he's well proven and he's got a very distinct style. Like he doesn't feel that far from Quentin Tarantino. Like the, no. the expectations may be a little lower, but like I don't think there's any question that this guy is going to keep just like knocking out of the park. Yeah, I mean, you hear after what he's done with with Baby Driver and and you know Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and all that, I think you just kind of hear Edgar Wright, and you're like, oh, this will be cool. This will be fun, no matter what. He's like a straight up indie darling. Yeah. So like, there's just no, and he makes his own movies consistently, and he keeps making his own movies, and they're great. So I just think that's why we left him off the list. But uh, anyway, guys, that's going to wrap up the episode here on the Action Guys here on the Collider Movie Talk feed. Uh, if you're listening to this on audio, please uh, leave a comment, like, subscribe. Let us know. You know, Give us five stars if you like the show. Leave a comment on the YouTube video. If you're listening to this or watching this on the Action Industries YouTube, please leave a comment below. That's the best thing to help us keep it kind of high in the yeah. YouTube algorithm so new people find the show. And, and let us know if we missed any other directors that you guys are absolutely crazy about below in the comments. Let us know if there's any other questions that you wish we would have covered today. These are, you know, fun. They were all mostly serious. A couple of – no, even the ones that were kind of joking were definitely serious for yeah. us. I want these five gentlemen directed by someone in the future. 100%. We didn't include Jerry B, but I, I, I feel like we <laughs> – just saying his name, it feels like we've not said Yeah, so. it feels outside enough. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to go and like Action Industries on Facebook and check out patreon.com slash team action. All right, guys. Take care. Bye. Napa know-how
At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 83120. Shop Black Friday with Kiehl's Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $8.49. Toastmaster small appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday with deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code Enjoy15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.